Welcome to Marin Costello Radio, where we have intentional conversations with impactful people. Your weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and entrepreneurship. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of building and running a business, interview leaders across all industries, and find the common denominator beneath it all. Welcome to Marin Costello Radio. Today on the show, we have Kenya Claiborne. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh, this is such a treat, <laughs> such a treat for me. So <clears throat> I looked through my emails to see when we first met, because I couldn't trace it back in my memory as far back as we actually had. Um, it was in 2014. Do you remember this? Yeah. You got a pair of earrings from my website. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I pretty much blacked out all of my 20s, so you <laughs> I don't remember that at all. But that was so special to see that the first, our first interaction was you believing in the brand. Yeah. That is, my mind is blown. 2014, that's a lot of years we've known each other. It is a lot of years. But you know what? Like, I love the entire collection. I've always loved how every season you kind of, like, reiterate yourself. And, and you know, I love gold pieces. I love statement pieces. I love the big, chunky necklaces and, you know, just kind of like the funky design aesthetic. So, um, yeah, I've been a fan of yours for a long time. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, that is the highest of compliments, and I am so honored. Um, but we... You know, late years later, I saw you again on the internet, and you were wearing my pieces that you received from one of our wholesale partners, and we just kind of stayed in touch, and we kept running into each other at um, at events and at you know all these different places, and here we are, six seven years later. Yeah, it's so great to have you. <laughs> Kenya is one of the most multifaceted women that I know, and you handle yourself with such grace and such poise. Um, I want to know your secret sauce because I'd like to, I'd like to take some, take some notes on that. She is an influencer. She is a TV host. You're an entrepreneur. You're the editor in chief of style and society online magazine. Wow. That's not, that doesn't <laughs> even like, that's not even the tip of the iceberg. You just do so many things and you are so many things. It's more than just your resume. The, there is a kindness that you exude. Where does that kindness come from? You know, I think that kindness comes from, you know, really like my humble upbringing in the beginnings. And, and you know, the fact that I actually never wanted to be an entrepreneur. I never mm. wanted to be an influencer or a content creator. It was just something that just happened organically. Like I was, I was, I was just following my passion. And then from that, you know, all of these things kind of developed from there. That's amazing. What was the first, the first avenue that kind of was brought into your life of the many fields that you're in now? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I've, I've always had a love of communication. Like I was always as a child, like interested in the art of communication and, and, you know, um, you know, how to kind of like share information and technology. And so you know, I went to college and I majored in mass communications. Mm -hmm. And I remember my very first um, uh, class in college, the very first day of class, freshman year, my teacher said, and this is back in like 1998, he said, print news as we know it today in 10 years will be dead. 
mm-hmm. right? And this was in 1998, and 10 years later, it's it's you know 2008, and he was right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I didn't understand what that meant then, but I know then, like we relied on the newspaper getting delivered every day to get our news, and and actually turning on the radio and having to tune into the news station at five o'clock to receive news and information. Now, with as fast as technology has changed you know, the way that we receive media and news is is completely different. You know, now it's, um, you know, Twitter and, and the TMZs and influencers and, you know, social media outlets, you know, breaking the news. But, you know, I, I ended up majoring in mass communications from Sacramento State University and then moved to Los Angeles. And actually, my first jobs were actually working in media. Mm-hmm. So I was fascinated with media and, you know, I worked in radio. I worked in TV news and I worked for print um, media working for the Los Angeles Business Journal and then learned from that that I didn't really love working in media, actually. Um, I, I, I'm so glad that I had the experience of, of, of radio, print and, and TV, but, you know, I, it, the passion wasn't there. And so I transitioned that into working on the PR side. So I worked in PR and corporate communications and corporate social responsibility for like Fortune 50 companies and major brands like IKEA North America and American Honda Motor Company where I worked in corporate affairs and communications um, and even got the itch for entertainment um, living in Los Angeles and, and went to go work for PMK HBH, which at the time was the largest entertainment publicity firms in the world. Casual. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I was a brands and events publicist. Um, and, you know, one of my first events that I, that I managed was um, for Louis Vuitton. And, and he, uh, it was like a new collection. It was a Murakami collection, collab collection between Louis Vuitton and Kanye West. And that was like wow. <laughs> one of the first events that I, you know, so I, I dove in like, you know, head first into the whole like entertainment space and was able to like learn that. And I think um, what makes me really different is most people don't have the experience of media and all facets of media and the PR side, mm-hmm. right? So when I'm working with brands and everything now, like I understand all sides because I've worked in all sides of the business. Um, but my last job that I had was, I was at, actually at for about 10 years. Um, I worked um, basically in public affairs for an architecture design engineering firm. Yeah. Um, and I worked on a mass transit project. And um, you know, after the first couple of years in being there, you know, I quickly realized my job wasn't my passion. But if your job isn't your passion, that's okay. But if your job isn't your passion, then you should create something that is to fulfill that passion. I mean, my job, I mean, I was happy with my job. I did well at my job, but it wasn't sexy and it didn't fulfill my love of fashion and beauty and entertainment and travel and like food. And so... While I was at my job, I just as a creative outlet, I created Style and Society. And um, how long ago was that? This was about eight years ago. Amazing. Yeah, about eight years ago, I created Style and Society. And, you know, I already kind of had like the vision of like what I wanted to do. And it wasn't to create a business at all. And it wasn't even to make money. It was just for me to do something that I could share some of my things that I was passionate about to the world. And so I created my own platform. And, um, you know, from my experience in working in media, it's like, I know that 
the media lacks diversity, mm-hmm. right? So when you turn on the TV, when you open up a magazine, um, you know, I, I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me. Mm-hmm. And so when creating Style and Society magazine, you know, I wanted it to really represent diversity and inclusion. So no matter like who you are or like what you look like or what size you are, you know, it's it's inclusive and you feel that inclusivity. Um, you know, so when you read the content, when you look at the the pictures in the publication, you know, it really represents the world that we live in. Um, and, um, you know, I am an African-American woman um, and I do see things through that lens. And so um, that's exactly what Stalin Society does. And so the, 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 the history behind the name. So a lot of people ask me, like, what was the hardest part about starting your business? And there was two. Like, number one was ac- actually starting it, mm-hmm. right? Because I kind of had the vision in my head. But the hardest part about starting the business sometimes is actually just taking that step forward and actually starting it. Um, and then the second part was finding my name, right? Because I had this idea of what I wanted to do. But as you know, the internet is so like cluttered. Um, people just buy domains just to buy domains so that they can sell them. Um, and it took me about a year to come up with my name, Style and Society. And style represents more than fashion. It represents lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And then the society part um, represents you know, everything that we touch, see and breathe. It's food, it's fashion, it's entertainment, it's travel. And it's really about the intersection of all of those things coming together to create Stalin society. And so um, it, it really just started out as a creative outlet, like a hobby. And, um, and I did it and worked full time at my job. So I did, I was essentially working like two, two full time jobs. Two full time <laughs> jobs. And so for a very long time, like my days, you know, started, like, you know, I don't know, like 4 a.m. Because, you know, we're here in the West Coast and, mm-hmm. you know, three hours behind New York. And so I would, you know, wake up, you know, work on Sound Society, check emails, you know, write articles, do all that stuff, get up, get dressed, go to work, do my nine to five, um, and then bring a change of clothes to work and, you know, change in the car and then like go straight to some red carpet event or like award show or like whatever. And I did that for years and years and years and years. How many years do you think? Um, I did it for about six years. Amazing. Yeah, about six years because, I mean, the thing that people also don't understand is, you know, they just see like content creators or they see influencers or or they just see social media and they don't really understand like the journey that it takes to get there. Right. Absolutely. You just don't become an influencer overnight and and, and make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Like, you know, I mean, the first couple of years I didn't make any money, but I was okay because I said, even if I never made a dollar, I would still do it to the same capacity you know, that I'm doing it, you know, today. And um, I don't know. I think that's part of the secret to success is, is, is the intent of why you're doing something. Um, and yeah, for, for me, it's, it's been great. So yeah, I did it, you know, I did it for about uh, six years and then, and then I got to a crossroads with my job and I was like, you know, my business was growing so fast. And at that point you were making money at that Six point. Years in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At that point I was making money. Um, not as much as I was work- making at my current job at my current job, I was making a six figure salary. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I was also traveling all around the world. I was taking, you know, influencer and press trips to like Greece and to Thailand. And I saw those videos. They were so fun. They looked so fun. I'm like, oh, I can't wait till we can all travel again. Yeah. To Armenia. I mean, like you name it. I literally had the opportunity to travel all over the world. And I remember um, being young um, as a child and always thinking like, you know, I would travel 24 seven if I could. And I wish I had a job that would take me all around the world. I never thought it was attainable though. And all of a sudden here I am and I'm traveling all around the world with these tourism boards and these brands. And, um, you know, my job was, was um, my job knew about Salon Society and, and um, it didn't really infringe upon my work, but I knew if I wanted to grow my brand, I needed to make a change. And it was really about stepping out of fear and like fully into faith to um, become a full-time entrepreneur. Um, I was straddling both jobs for so long. And, and the thing is, I'm not a risk taker. Like I'm a Libra and like <laughs> Libras are all about the balance scale, but we are definitely not risk takers. And it took a lot. It took, it took a lot for me to step away for something that was secure and um, easy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's like when you're making a salary at a job, the reality is whether you do the work or not, you're still going to be making that money, right? right? When you're an entrepreneur, the only way you're making money is if you do the work. You're like, only <laughs> your last deal. Yeah. And yeah. it's, and it's not when you're an entrepreneur, it's not a nine to five, right? Like at a regular job. Yeah. You do your nine to five, you go home and whatever. Like entrepreneur is literally a 24 seven mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. So you're never off, but if you love what you're doing, you, you'll never work a day in your life. And um, yeah, so I, I, I about um, it's funny because it was it's been about, I guess, like two and a half years or so when I made the leap from becoming a full time entrepreneur. But before I left my job, I asked my, you know, my boss, I said, hey, I said, um, can I go part time? Can I telecommute? Can I work from home? Can I have a flexible work schedule? All these different options because I was trying to still maintain both, but but have a little bit more of a balance where, you know, I, I was maybe, you know, not contributing as much time to my job so I can focus more on my business. Okay. They weren't receptive to any anything. I mean, that's a sign. Right. And now everyone has to work from home. Mm, jokes <laughs> but, on them. Right. And, <laughs> and they didn't they didn't they didn't get it. And and I remember reading reading an article around that time that said, um, you know, in the next, this was like maybe like three years ago, right? And I read an article that said like in the next three years, you know, something like 50% of all millennials will quit their jobs, mm. right? And I remember reading that and I'm not a millennial. I'm, I'm what you call a zennial. I'm actually 40, although I look like I'm 30. You look like you're 25. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Most people think I, I, yeah. It's unbelievable. If you guys can see your skin in person, I'm like, I need whatever you're using. You're, yeah. You're beautiful. Thank you. You know, black don't crack, so... Facts. I always say we all look like 10 years younger than what at we really least. are. Oh my gosh, yeah. at least. Yeah. So, um... So yeah, so it's 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 just it's really been um, like amazing. It's been a blessing that I've been able to you know kind of um, do what I love every single day with with this business. And but does the Libra in you think that it's one part luck and then one part really 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 hard work? I don't think it's about luck. Mm. I don't think it's about luck. Um, 
you know, it's, it's, it's really about the hard work. I appreciate that. Yeah. I would really say the is. same. I'm like, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed, but I also work my ass off. So exactly. like, of course, yeah. <laughs> something's going to, something's going to pop. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, again, like when people, you know, so like before the, before the pandemic, my life was very glamorous. It is very glamorous. I do have to admit, but when you look at my Instagram feed, yeah, you're going to see me, you know, uh, traveling in, in Mexico and you're going to see me like, you know, at all these fancy places and you're going to see all these great clothes and you're going to see, you know, what looks like a great, fabulous lifestyle. And yeah, it is, but there is a lot of work that goes behind it. I mean, like my day to day at home right now is I spend most of my time sitting in my bed on my laptop <laughs> in like my pajamas, like writing and working and responding to emails and like doing all of that. And then when it's time to like do a photo shoot and stuff like, yeah, like I'll put myself together and all of that. But I mean, uh, there's a lot of work that goes behind it that a lot of people just don't know. What That's is, not so glamorous. What do you think the percentage of the behind the scenes Kenya on her laptop, no makeup and sweatpants looks like? What is that percentage of the day as opposed to the glamorous side? Most of the day. Like 80%. Yeah. At like least. more than that. At least. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like and more than that. People say the same thing of me. They're like, wow, you're so fancy. You're so glamorous. I'm like, if you only knew. <laughs> yeah. It's on everyone. Yeah. What does your decision-making process look like? Because we went through a few points in your life where you've had to make big decisions. And I imagine now when you have so many inbound inquiries, you have to say yes and no to them. Mm -hmm. What does that process look like for you? Um, well, you know what, to be honest with you, I rarely say no. <laughs> I do. I rarely say no because, because I can say yes. Like, you know, like I'm single, like I don't have any kids, like, um, and, and while I can work and while I have the capacity to do so, like I want to be able to do as, as much as I can right now. Um, and so I oftentimes do. Um, I actually love like working and I love what I do. And so um, and I love being busy. It's like when I'm not busy, then I start getting like antsy because I'm like, I, I should be busy. <laughs> You're like, what can I fill my time with? Yeah. I really appreciate that because you are the woman who is you are the woman who is everywhere all the time. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate you saying that you really love saying yes to things because I'm I'm that way as well. Yeah. That really resonates. Yeah. And I think also like what makes me different compared to a lot of other influencers and content creators and everything is most content creators and influencers, they really just work in one silo, right? So their beat is fashion mm -hmm. or it's lifestyle or it's health and wellness or it's food or it's travel or it's entertainment or it's beauty. I'm really unique because I do it all. So I work with the biggest brands across all those different verticals. Um, and, you know, I'm a dynamic woman. And, and beyond, beyond, <laughs> like magnetic beyond. Continue. I'm a dynamic woman and, um, and I like a lot of different things and I don't feel like I should be put in a box. So a lot of people say, oh, you should stay in your niche, you know, on Instagram, like find what your niche is. And I'm like, I don't have a niche. Like I like it all, you know. Kenya and Claiborne, the woman who does everything all the time, forever, always, <laughs> in perpetuity. <laughs> yeah. Because you know what? Like if I just did one thing, 
I would get bored really easily, you know? So I love like, you know, like I just did a Valentine's Day campaign with Dove. I'm a Dove ambassador. So I'm working with Dove. Thank you. Um, Like on the entertainment side, like I've done campaigns with like WeTV and like Lifetime TV. Um, On the fashion side, like I'm an ambassador for Revolve. I've been working with Revolve for almost four years. I've traveled all around the world with Revolve. Um, About a year ago, I was in Australia with them. Um, And, you know, um, I mean, literally across all those different verticals, you know, I, I, I sometimes I pinch myself. I'm like, oh, my God, like, you know, like I just did a campaign for Secret Deodorant and like. Serena Williams is one of their ambassadors and I just did a campaign with them. Like, how cool is that? I knew you went. (laughs) You do so many things. If you were to pick just one, what would it be? If you had to, I know this is like worst case scenario here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think if I, if I had to pick, it would probably be fashion just because I mean, I've always had a love for fashion and and there's like a backstory um, behind like my love for fashion. So, and it starts with my parents. So my mom, she always wanted to be a, um, like a fashion designer, right? And so like in her yearbook, it says like, fashion designer. Like that's what she wanted to to do, like in her high school yearbook. And her first job out of college, she grew up in the South. um, She grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. Her first job out of college was she was a junior buyer for Macy's of San Francisco, wow. which was a big time thing. I mean, at the time, like Macy's San Francisco was like, you know, when it was biggest. That you was know, Macy's in its prime. Exactly. At its prime. And this was back in like the late 70s. Mm-hmm. And, and from so, the Bay Area, that was a huge deal. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that was her first job out of college. And so she was a junior buyer for Macy's. And then my dad, so I didn't know the story until I became an adult. But my dad, he grew up in the south side of Chicago. He was born in 1944 in the projects. And um, it's called Argyle Gardens, like the toughest, hardest, like hood, like projects like you can imagine. And that's where he grew up. And um, he was fascinated with um, Archie comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was really infatuated with Victoria, which um, was the female character in the Archie comic books. He was infatuated with her dresses that she would wear. And this infatuation grew and grew and grew. And he started like sketching women's like couture gowns. Um, And he would go in his attic and he had thousands and thousands and thousands of sketches that he drew of like women's dress designs. Because he was inspired by that character in that comic book. While he was with your mother or before? No, no, no. This was when he was like when he was a kid, like six years old wow. to like 14 years old, like for years he would go in the attic and just sketch and he could draw really well. And, you know, he developed his love for fashion, but particularly women's fashion as a child. One day his grandfather went in the attic and and found all of these sketches of women's dresses that he had drawn. He took them all and threw them in a furnace. And I said, I better not ever catch you like drawing another woman's dress or sketching another woman's dress again. He was like, that's gay. You're a boy. You're not supposed to do that. And he kind of knew, like he grew up in the projects and it's like, 
in a really tough area. Like he knew, like if his friends saw, like it wouldn't be a he'd receive a, yeah, some yeah, choice yeah. words. Yeah, yeah, which is why he hid it. But when his grandfather found it, it's like he burned them all in the furnace and and he said, I better not ever catch you doing this again. And from that day on, his grandfather tried to instill in him what it meant to be like a man, like manual labor, hard work. And as soon as he became of age, he sent him off to the military and he went on to Vietnam and everything. But I mean, it did kill his love for fashion, but he still does even today have that passion. And, um, I remember when Project Runway first came on, like the first the season. The best show ever. Ever, right? Oh my gosh. I met Santino. Oh, yeah? He's in downtown Los Angeles. Oh my gosh. He's a restaurateur now. It was like all my worlds collided. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> and he, like, you know, like, you know, Michael Costello. Like, I remember, like, yeah. watching that season and, and he didn't win, but I remember looking at his designs and he wasn't even trained to be a, you know, a pattern designer or a fashion designer. He just kind of, you know, learned it self self taught, and I remember looking at his perspective when it came to design and and the woman's body and and you know the textures of the fabrics and the print. And I was like, oh my god, this guy is dope! And like, look at him now. He designs from for the biggest stars in the world. He's brilliant. I met him at an event in Palm Springs. I, I went up to him. I said, we have the same initials. We also have the same last name. He's like, oh my gosh, what's up, sis? <laughs> so sweet. So sweet. Yeah. yeah. And I remember like, this is when the first season came out, which was how many years ago? Oh my gosh. I think it was in high school. Yeah. It was a long time ago, but, um, but me and my dad, we would watch it together and discuss all the fashion. And I didn't know the story about his love of fashion back then. But, you know, we would just, you know, every week watch the episodes and discuss all the fashion and stuff like that. And then years later, he told me about how his fashion, his love of fashion began, which is a really interesting so story. So being a creative is in your DNA. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. nature and nurture, but a lot of nature. Yeah. That is very cool. Yep. That is so cool. <laughs> Did your mom ever do anything? Yeah. So my mom, she teaches fashion and food, actually. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's just a family creative empire. And you know what's yeah. so interesting is um, um, I actually did my first campaign with my mom. It was for a brand called Urban Plates. And um, we did kind of like a um, like a cooking, kind of like taste test, kind of a, a video thing. And it was it was great, like being able to to work with my mom on that, and um, me and my dad. We also did like a a campaign for um, Purdue Farms, and it was like a food related thing. But um, but my mom, because she teaches food and fashion, she teaches high school um, and kind of like home economics, but the, her focus is food and fashion. Now with the pandemic, she's had to kind of convert kind of like the in-classroom teaching to now virtual teaching. So now she's like an expert when it comes to like creating like video content and like, you know, cooking and like, you know, sewing stuff and like fashion stuff, like these videos and everything. And there's so much overlap <laughs> between your worlds. Yeah. I love that. I'm sure you stay inspired by them. Yeah. Constantly and vice versa. I'm sure they draw inspiration from you too. Yeah. That is so cool. Do you have siblings? Um, I do. Um, I have my younger brother passed away. Um, he passed away of suicide actually, um, some years ago. And, um, I have an older brother as well. And actually last year in 2020, during the midst of the pandemic, um, I found out that I have a sister. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That it's pretty crazy. Yeah. So I did, um, so I did the 23andMe uh-huh. uh, DNA test, um, and, 
like I like I had the tech, I had the kits. Um, I've had the kits for a couple of years, but I just I'm I've just been so busy. I just never had the chance to like sit down and actually do and like send it in. So I had a test and I had an extra one, so I gave it to my dad and I was like, hey, okay, you know, now it's the pandemic, you know, like let's just go ahead and just do it. So we did it, and then when the results came back, it said I have a half sister. And on his results, it said he has a daughter. And we both were like, what? <laughs> oh my gosh. What a time to be alive. Yeah. Mine came back and was boring as ever. I was like, I know exactly the same information as before. <laughs> there were no surprises. <laughs> you are an OG influencer. Walk us through what being an influencer looked like when you first began versus what it looks like now, pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. how that journey has transformed for you? Well, I think when I first started creating content, um, it was, I mean, the term influencer didn't really exist. Mm-hmm. Like you had your Kim Kardashians and your celebrities and, and stuff like that. And really they they were the influencers. Um, and I think for me, it was just kind of, organically creating content and brands really taking notice of that content and then brands offering money, offering me money to create content. And it's grown to today. We're actually now I'm signed to a management agency that's based in New York. And um, how long ago did you sign with them? I signed with them about a year ago. Amazing. Yeah. I signed with them about a year ago and it's, 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 it's been great, but I think, you know, what, what's happened is with, with, with the rise of the pandemic, everyone thinks they're an influencer. Everyone calls themselves an influencer. Like, even if you just have an Instagram account that you've posted on five times, you call yourself an influencer. And so now I feel that term is like very like loosely, you know what I mean? It's, it's, just, so it's just so convoluted. And so like, I, you know, like when people ask me, like, what do you do? Like, it's hard to quantify it because I don't know if I, I don't really, it's like, yeah, I don't, I'm not really a blogger. I get, I, I'm a, I, I'm an influencer. I guess I'm a content creator. I'm also an editor in chief. I'm also an entrepreneur. Like I'm also just a badass boss babe. Like, you know, there's yeah. so many like hats that I wear, but I definitely do think, um, you know, it's, it's the term influencer today has gotten very cloudy mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I, but I do think like, listen, like if, if you're an entrepreneur or an aspiring influencer, or whatever, like definitely right now, like utilize social media as a free marketing tool right. to help promote like whatever it is that, that you're trying to promote. Totally. Your world has become very fruitful during the pandemic. Explain yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you and I touched base right before the pandemic. I think I was sending you jewelry for a particular trip. And since then, you have just been nonstop. I'm shocked you're in town. I'm shocked you're available. <laughs> Thank you for being here. But also, like, why are you here? Because you're one of the <laughs> busiest, like, intentionally busy people that I know. So tell us about what the pandemic has brought to your life. Yeah. So, okay. So, like, pre-pandemic, um, you know, I was going to anywhere between one and six events every single day. Wow. Every single day, seven days a week. Yeah. Wow. And and, and granted, like I do have an amazing team. So Stellan Society is bigger than me. It's really about 
the team and the team is really the backbone behind it. So yeah, it may not have been me necessarily going to all six. Like maybe I might go to one or two and I might have like some of my team members, like, you know, go to some of the other ones, but basically we did have, I mean, we were, we were at everything, like every award show, restaurant openings, fashion events, movie premieres, product launches, you name it. Like I red, red carpets, pretty much every single day, like a super cool, fun life. And when the pandemic hit, of course, all the events, we know, were canceled. And so now it's been almost a year since there's been any events. And what we had to do as a company is really um, kind of retool our focus because we covered a lot of events. And from going, covering events every day to to all the events being canceled, you know, we had to shift. And so now what we do is we do a lot of like virtual events, um, a lot of virtual premieres and stuff like that. Um, there's like a lot of drive through events. Like I just mm-hmm. went to Disney last week, hosted a series of events, um, like drive through events for um, some launches with Disney Plus. And they just released like Brandy Cinderella on Disney Plus, and so they did, like, a big drive-through event. The best movie ever. <laughs> yep. Brandy and Whitney, hello. Yeah, the yeah. best. So they did a big event. So, like, a lot of the stuff that we do now is, like, virtual events and, like, um, you know, like, drive-through events and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, I, I shifted my – like, so – and also brands – were looking for because they they couldn't do events so they were really relying on content creators and influencers to create content to kind of keep their brand like top of mind for consumers and so and then you know black lives matter happened and you know and it really i think opened the eyes for some businesses most of like, businesses right I most would say businesses. majority were like oh i'm sorry yeah we should have been paying attention. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so if they weren't being diverse and inclusive in terms of the content, they were forced to do so and they were being held accountable if they weren't. And so... Um, Enter Kenya, stage left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so, um, so yeah, I think I think... I think it was the movement was was good in terms of um, amplifying black voices and um, these businesses being held accountable, you know, for their actions. And it was very clear. It's like if you just go on their Instagram feed, you could see whether or not they were truly representing diversity and inclusion or not. It was it was quite apparent. And um you know, everyone wanted to jump on the bandwagon saying how they wanted to reconfirm their commitment to Black Lives Matter and all this stuff. But it's like there were so many businesses that that didn't put any action behind it. It's like, yeah, they they, they did the Blackout Tuesday and yeah, they issued a statement. But like looking back, it's like, OK, like so, you know, how many influencers of color are you working with? How are you amplifying black voices? What does your staff internally look like? You know, mm-hmm. like. Um, how does your executive team, are they diverse? Because it really comes from the top bottom. So if, and it starts there. So if, if, if your team isn't diverse internally, and you know, that really shows you like how much you really do support inclusion and diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so I don't know. It's been, I mean, the pandemic for me 
has been great because I've been able to, um, you know, to really grow and 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 I I really needed the slowdown um, because I was going to all these events and it was just like you know right now is the midst of award season so, so like one of the busiest times of year for me and like all kind like you know the Grammys and like you know uh, the Golden Globes and you know like I mean just back to back to back award shows. Well, you're also gifting suites, different perspectives. You're going in as a guest and also as media to cover mm-hmm. it. So you're attacking all of these events from every angle. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, if, if, it, if it hadn't been for the pandemic, like, you know, maybe I wouldn't have had, you know, the focus that I have today in terms of, you know, kind of the other side of the business, you know, that I do and, um, you know, really the influencer side and being able to have time to work with brands and create content for brands. And to be honest, like right now, it's, re- it's a really interesting time because, you know, when the pandemic hit, all the travel was canceled. Now, now, yeah, immediately, like I actually had a trip with Revolve to the Bahamas planned in March of last year, and that trip was canceled because of the pandemic. Now we see this resurgence from tours and boards and from hotels and, you know, like the travel industry is like, we're open for business. Like we want people to feel comfortable and safe and travel, but but ensure that they, they're doing it safely. So I just actually did a really big campaign with the Cabo Tourism Board. Um, Amazing. <laughs> Tell me everything. Yeah. And it's funny, like, so I, I went to Cabo twice over the past two weeks. Oh my gosh. Why didn't you didn't want to just stay there? You had things to do. I know. Oh my gosh, my jet setting friend. Yeah, but so yeah, but it's it's been great. So yeah, travel is is like booming right now and like I have like trips planned almost every single week. Where are like, you going next? Um so I have um let's see. Where am I going next? Um yeah, the Yosemite. Amazing. Um, and, um, Arizona Grand Canyon. Um, I've been to Park City, Utah, like three times over the past four months. Um, they love me there. Like every time I go, I I get invited back before I even leave. Um, so I'll be going back, um, there really soon. And, um, like I'm going to Big Bear in a couple of days. Um, you know, so, you know, just kind of like, uh, you know, we can't, I mean, travel looks different today, right? So for, us being here in the U.S., like, I mean, there's not as much international travel, but there still is a focus of like, hey, like, you know, we're trading in our passports for road trips, you know, and like what what things can we do um, to kind of continue to fulfill that wonderless? I love that perspective. Mm-hmm. I love that. What does your self-care look like? How do you love on yourself? Well, I feel like yeah. the outsider's perspective, when I see you, everything is like beautifully polished and you look well rested always and your skin is glowing and you're always so well put together. And we know we have those moments of, you know, having difficult days, but how do you consistently care for yourself to maintain that glow? Yeah. So self-care is definitely a buzzword right now. We hear it all the time, every single day. Um, But self-care is really important. And so, you know, there's been more of a focus in shifting from like, you know, makeup to now skincare, you know, is is like a focus and, and really taking the time to really care for yourself. And part of that is like your mental health. And, um, you know, a lot of us right now are living in isolation and 
it's tough. Mm-hmm. You know, it's tough not to have that human interaction and, and, and not to be social. And in some cases, people not being able to see their parents or seeing their friends or seeing their siblings, right. um, you know, or their coworkers. And, and the downside of that is sometimes you don't know what someone's going through internally. And sometimes if you look at someone's Instagram, just because it looks like they're fine doesn't mean they are fine. And so I do think part of self-care is the mental health component. And it's still important that although you may not be able to see you know, in person, you know, your loved ones, it's so important to continue to check in on them mm-hmm. to make sure that they're okay. And if they need anything and, you know, sometimes all you have to ask is, are you okay? You know, like when, when my brother passed away, like nobody knew that he was sick. No one knew that he had a mental illness. Right. And maybe if we had have asked, um, maybe we would have known, but, um, you know, I think a lot of people right now are struggling. I mean, this, this pandemic is, is tough. It is That's tough. Brutal. It is brutal. And there's not really a light at the end of the tunnel. Like, you know, um, yet. I'm so yet. hopeful. So hopeful. Yeah. You're yeah. So right. um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, for me, self-care top of the list is therapy. Mm-hmm. I go every week from one hour to four hours. It depends on what I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I go in and I, I'm thinking, I feel like this is a great week. I don't really have much to talk about. And that's when the actual work happens. That's when we really uncover the good stuff. And I, you know, it's important. Mm -hmm. It's so important to, to do that for yourself. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a lesson that I didn't learn until later in life. I think that, you know, I, I pushed myself a lot and was really in the Western civilization of just go, go, go work, work, work. That's why you're here. Mm-hmm. Um, when really love and connection is why we're here. Yeah. A la radio show, a la having you here in my space, you know, mm-hmm. that's the important stuff. Yeah. I yeah. love that. What does your daily routine look like? Are you a regimented person or does every day look a little bit different? Um, you know, my outlook on life is tomorrow is not promised and every day is a new adventure. Um, so I, I live every day to its fullest, but, um, you know, to work from home, it's like, you do definitely have to be self-motivated. And for me, it does help to kind of like have a little bit of like a routine because it could get very mundane, especially being in isolation (laughs) and, um, you know, so yeah, I mean, the majority of my day, again, really consists of emails and being on social media and writing and, and all of that stuff. And, um, and I mean, but the great thing about being able to work from home and being an entrepreneur is you can do it anywhere in the world, mm-hmm. from anywhere in the world. Right. So yeah, I could be in Cabo and I can continue to, to run my business and, and, and um, or I could be, you know, I could literally be anywhere. And so I think that's the great thing. And, and I think people should really look at the pandemic as not as something that's been a negative. It's like, how could you use this time as a positive? Because never, ever probably in our lifetime will we ever have a moment like this where where things are kind of paused, where you're able to, you know, really reassess the things that are important to you um, in your life and, and really um, focus on those. So, hey, if you've always wanted to start a business, now it's the time to do it. If you've ever had a passion to do something, now it's the time to start it, you know? Absolutely. I like to say no time is a good time to start, you know, just be an entrepreneur. On the flip side, every time is yeah. the right time to be an entrepreneur. So just go. It doesn't matter if you're in a pandemic or not. 
I think we are also afforded, you know, with all of its challenges. And obviously, you know, this is completely an aside from people who are actually suffering with their with their health and dealing with the virus on a on an extreme level. But this is a time where we have space mm-hmm. and time to create things mm-hmm. and to start on new projects. Yeah. So, and even taking that step further, you know, like, you know, again, like I'm 40 years old, single, no kids. I always imagine like, Hey, by the time I'm like, you know, mid twenties, I'll be married with kids, you know, mid twenties happen. Nope. Thirties happen. Nope. Now I'm 40 and I'm like, uh, <laughs> is this going to ever happen? But you know, we live in Los Angeles, you know, Los Angeles sucks for dating. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? I have no idea. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It sucks for dating. I'll send you my book. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but you know, also, you know, it's, the pandemic has really made me, you know, have that space and time to really think about, okay, some of the priorities in, in my life and like, what do I want? And, you know, a little bit more focus on, um, you know, um, kind of like, you know, the next chapter, you know. And What do you want? Well, you know, I would like to get married and like have kids. But, you know, before I was so focused on my career and like doing my thing and like independent and like going to, you know, flying all over the world and then like red carpet and stuff like that. And to be honest, like... And it's not, and I think a lot of guys here are just so intimidated by like a strong woman. They're there. There's a lot of different factors. Yeah. But yeah. But I think that's, that's one of them and, and insecure, very insecure. Um, So, but also the women that I know here are next level spectacular. Mm -hmm. There is such a strong community of like bad ass, heavy hitter females who just do no harm and take no shit and slay. Yeah. Yeah. Consistently. Yeah. Consistently, which is the most impressive thing. Yeah. And you should never compromise yourself or apologize for being just as fabulous as you are. Absolutely not. I feel like the older that I get, the younger that I feel and the more that happens within my brand and the more that I grow, the more growing I feel like I need to do. Mm -hmm. So I think you know, surrounding yourselves with expanders and with a good support system, it's crucial. Mm-hmm. What does your support system look like? Um, so I think my, like my family and, and my friends, I think, um, and then also my team, Stalin Society, I think, you know, the combination of all of those together is, you know, we, we all support, you know, one another. It's amazing. Can you yeah. walk through what your team looks like? Yeah. So I have, um, I have a team of, Uh, maybe 20 and everyone um, lives remotely. Like I have some team members that are in um, Philippines, some in Ghana, some in New York, some in uh, New Orleans. Um, I mean, like literally like all over, you know, it's a global brand. Yeah. And, and, you know, some of them, we, I mean, it's, it's always been remote. So like when Stalin society was birthed, you know, it was birthed as a, as an online publication. It's never been, or it will never be like a a print publication. And the whole idea of virtual working and and all of that is um, it's, it's, it's part of our DNA. And my team is a combination of, you know, photographers and, you know, other creators and writers and, you know, webmasters and, you know, like, 
um, you know, social media gurus and, um, you know, really Stalin Society is, is, is not just an online publication, but it's really a brand. And, you know, with the team, it's really, it's almost like a mentorship, you know what mm, I mean? And it's like, you know, we all really support like one another and, and it's, it's, it's been great. It's a true community. It's a community. Yeah. How long did it take you to get from yourself to 20? You know what? I've never advertised any kind of job or opportunity ever because I didn't want it to be that. I just wanted it to be just for me because really I created it selfishly, like just for myself. As a passion project. As a passion project. You know, it wasn't intended to be a business. But but then um, people started reaching out to me like, hey, I love the brand. I would love to be a part of it. How can I be a part of it? You know, and, and I've been able to use sound society as a way to empower others to be able to do what they want to do you know mm-hmm. so if they're really into photography or they're really into travel photography i'm like okay like let's do a travel trip together you know right. and and that way you can fulfill kind of like you know that that love for you know travel photography and you can get the experience and we could you know and so um it kind of organically just developed and people just wanted to become part of this community and that's kind of how it really started so cool. Do you have a business coach or are you just naturally savvy or did you just learn on the go? It was literally, I didn't have like a mentor or or anyone or, or, or like a roadmap of how to start a business. I literally just did it because it wasn't intended to be a business. It was just a passion project. So, I mean, I started it and then I just kind of learned as I went, but to be honest, it's so easy today to start a business. It's so different than what it used to be like 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. Like now you can literally start a business in one day, getting on your computer, having internet access, like, you know, go to GoDaddy, you know, get a domain, like get your DBA. Like, I mean, it's just like, there's just a few simple things to do. And then it's like, yeah. And then you just, you just start. But the first step is actually starting. Um, But the tools are there. And it's easy and it's inexpensive to do so. Free. There's so much free, free information. Exactly. You can create a website like with the template. Like Your mentor is Google. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, free marketing through social media. Absolutely. Use that, you know, to market your brand. Absolutely. Let's talk about your relationship with Los Angeles. Do you like it here? I do love Los Angeles. You love it. How long have you been here? Um, I moved here after college um, in 2002. And when I moved to Los Angeles, I moved to downtown Los Angeles because I kind of grew up in like this very suburban, very vanilla type of community. So I grew up in a small town called Fairfield, which is right outside of Napa Valley. Um, I love wine and I love Napa, but I moved away from home when I was 17 to go to college. And so I didn't appreciate where I grew up. I just thought it was so boring and I just couldn't wait to get out and live in the big city. And so when I moved to Los Angeles, I moved, I moved to downtown because I liked that grimy, gritty mm-hmm. type of structure and environment. Like I love that it was diverse um, and I love that it was urban and I wanted to be part of the community and part of like the development of it. And so I remember moving to downtown. People thought I was crazy. They're like, what? It's like, you know, that's like the capital of like Skid Row. Right. You know, highest homeless percent per capita in the country. I live one zip code away from Skid Row. Um, But, you know, living near Skid Skid Row never um, bothered me because like, you know, every for the past, like, I don't know, like 
10 years, every Christmas or every Christmas, me and my family would actually go to the LA mission and volunteer and help mm. like feed the homeless people. You know, it's like homeless people are no different than me and you, you know, but Hey, I mean, the cost of living in LA is so expensive. I might be homeless. <laughs> I mean, Lord knows. you know, Lord only know. Right. Um, but I really do feel like, you know, like I'm, I'm like, sex in the city, like living in downtown, like with my block, like sound society and like everything I'm doing and like traveling. Like, I definitely feel like this is like if sex in the city moved to the West coast, which they should, and it should be more diverse, Agreed. you know, it, it, I would be the star. <laughs> um, I second that wholeheartedly. <laughs> What's next for your brand? Mm. Well, you know, when I started selling society, I started it with the vision that, you know, today it's an online publication. Um, you know, tomorrow it could be a reality TV show. It could be a talk show. It could be a fashion line. It could be anything, you know? So right. Style and Society is, is really kind of like the overarching brand. And o- underneath that, it can go so many different directions. And actually, um, after the first year of launching Style and Society, I partnered with um, Onyx Media and actually launched a video extension of the magazine, um, called The Stylist. So it was a, a TV show that's an extension of the magazine that we did like 43 episodes of it. Yeah. I was co-executive producer of it. Um, I saw them. They're spectacular. Thank you. They're and so it kind welcome. of, you know, it kind of touched on like, um, you know, fashion trends and pop culture. A lot of people told me that it reminded them of kind of a rebooted version of like MTV House of Style and MTV News, kind of like an updated version of that. But, um, but yes, we did like 43 episodes of it. Um, it's very time, um, consuming to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, one day would love to get back to that. Um, you know, maybe doing some other executive producing for some other shows. Um, I would love to get, get into TV and like commercials and stuff like that. So we'll see. That's amazing. Did you have any coaching or did you take any performative classes to learn how to speak in front of the camera? Because you are so naturally animated and you're so well-spoken. You know, funny thing is I actually hate speaking in front of crowds. Stop. I hate, like, and that's why I, tra- I that's why I got into PR and I left media because I didn't want to be in front of the camera. I didn't want to be the center of attention. I didn't want to be on stage. Like I have like really bad stage fright. And like, you know, like I'm a very social person. Like I get along with everyone. Like I can go right in and, and, you know, kind of like be the life of the party, but I don't need to be the center of attention. Like I don't need to be in the forefront. I'm content being behind the scenes. Um, this lifestyle and in, in my career has forced me to, to be, um, in front of the camera, but, um, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's funny because people thought like during the pandemic, they thought, they were like, oh, my God, like, what are you going to do? Like, because you're always out in events, you're always traveling, you're always doing this. And now you're on lockdown. Like, like, you know, like, are you going to be OK? And what people don't realize is as a child, like all I did was stay home. And I love just being in my room and creating my own little fantasy world with mm-hmm. my dolls and playing tea party and dressing up and just creating my own little world at home. And, and in fact, like my whole like as a child. Um, and even as a teenager, I never had a curfew. Like I never was told I needed to go to bed at a certain time. I never in, in high school, never had a curfew because I never went out. Like <laughs> I never went out. And so like, yeah, like I would tuck myself into bed as a kid at, at 8 p.m. 
you know, never, never wanted to stay up and watch TV. It was like, I tucked myself in, like, you know, as a, as a teenager, like never really went out to parties or football games and stuff like that. And, and so actually as a punishment, like when I would get in trouble, like my dad would basically kick me out of the house and say, you need to go outside and and play or just get out. (laughs) So I would sit on the front porch and just cry because I didn't want to go anywhere. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You're an extroverted introvert. Kind of. And so like, I mean, yeah, of course I love traveling and all the glitz and glam and the events and stuff like that. But you know what? Like I could be just as happy and and content as spending an entire weekend at home with a bottle of wine and Lifetime movies. Oh my gosh, sign me up. That like <laughs> yeah. Both worlds, though. Yeah. And I think that's like... It's the balance, Maybe right? that's why I was taken to you when we first met a million years ago uh-huh. when the dinosaurs were still around because <laughs> I, I felt that. I felt that comfortability. Like, you are so yourself, and it is so refreshing to meet someone, especially in this town, who is that, mm-hmm. who leads with that. The moment that you meet them... I mean, it's just been such a privilege to know and support and watch you succeed and be on the sidelines and be your cheerleader. You are such an impressive human, and I'm so grateful to know you. Oh, thank you. You are so welcome. (laughs) Where can our listeners find you on the internet? Well, um, you can definitely hit me up on Instagram, um, Kenya Claiborne, and that's K-I-N-Y-A-C-L-A-I-B-O-R-N-E. You can also follow us on Instagram at Style and Society. We are also on um, TikTok. We are on Facebook, um, YouTube, um, Clubhouse. (laughs) So feel free to like slide into my DM. Um, I always check them. Um, My email address is right there in my Instagram profile. Um, Definitely check out stylingsociety.com. You can catch up on, you know, all of my travel adventures, all the entertainment, fashion, beauty, lifestyle, food stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, I would love to hear from you guys. A huge thank you to Kenya for being such an incredible guest and touching upon the importance of managing mental health. If you or anyone you know is struggling with mental health, we encourage you to contact the Substance Abuse and Mental Health National Helpline at 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357. Thank you so much for tuning into Marin Costello Radio hosted by Dash Radio and sponsored by Island City Media Group. If you'd like to connect with us offline, you can find us on Instagram at Marin Costello and Marin Costello Radio. See you next week.